welcome back to Forgotten Lakers. We're here today with Smush Parker. Smush was a Laker for two seasons from 0506 to 0607. Smush, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Uh, like I said, when we were getting this set up. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. You know, you were a Laker for two years, started those two years, uh, made the playoffs both years. So you definitely have a place in memory of Laker fans. We, you and I have interacted for a few months over Instagram trying to get this set up through your Smush Parker Elite account. Uh, can you tell me what you do, everything you do with that Smush Parker Elite account and what's keeping you busy these days? Uh, well, right now, Smush Parker Elite is just me trying to get back to the game of basketball through uh, imparting the uh, knowledge and basketball skills and techniques and information that I've acquired over my 16-year career into the youth. So uh, I would like, I'm just passing the knowledge forward. As I tell people, I think there's a gap between uh, the levels of basketball, the different levels of basketball there is um, uh, between, you know, high school and college players, and then college to pros, and then overseas basketball. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a gap that's missing. And I've played at all levels, um, six, six years NBA, 10 years overseas. So I, will, I, I, I feel I have some information that I, I just need to get out to the, uh, to the youth that are trying to make it to the levels that I've reached, that, you know, maybe a high school coach can't teach them or maybe a college coach can't teach them at, at that level, just to give them a little edge so that they know what, what's to come at the next level. Oh, that's great. And where are you doing this? Is it like in, are you still based out of New York or where is this, where do you, are you doing all these uh, different trainings and camps? Well, I'm uh, I'm uh, physically based out of New York, but right now, uh, Smush Parker Elite is in its foundation uh, stages, and I've, I've done uh, a, a couple camps of clinics, but not only here in New York City, but I've been down in Miami. I have one coming up in L.A. I think we're going to talk about that later in the show. Um, I, I've had a few uh, upstate New York, so I'm I'm trying to take it I'm trying to take it national. And by the by, in, in the next two or three years, I'm actually trying to take it global. I've uh, played ten years overseas, so I have a following overseas that uh, I definitely want to, uh, you know, uh, take advantage of. Just talking a little bit more about your Smush Parker Lead Instagram account. Uh, you occasionally post like photos of you and games, and are these are these you know current games? Are you still playing professionally at the moment? Yes, I still currently play. Um, I'm actually um, playing right now, currently, in uh, Byron Scott professional basketball platform. It's called Primetime Basketball League, and it just gives uh, NBA players who aren't actually playing in the NBA anymore a chance to play, you know, uh, continue their professional career here in America. Um, as you know, the NBA is a revolving door. There's, uh, you know, 100 to 150-plus guys every year trying to get it into the NBA. And that means that there are 150 guys, you know, who are out of the NBA next year. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't play basketball. It doesn't mean that they can't play professionally at a high level anymore. It just, it's just the business of basketball. So Byron Scott has built a platform for us to extend our careers there and stay local and play professional ball called the Primetime Basketball League. Very cool. I hadn't heard about that. So I, oh. Like to look into that and learn a bit, a little bit more. So, just talking about you know basketball as a business, your NBA career, et cetera, um, going into your history with basketball. 
you know, growing up, you were, you know, done a lot of research for this episode, read a lot about your early careers on the New York playgrounds. At what point during those days did you realize that, you know, you were significantly better than your friends, your teammates, and that you had a real future in the game? Well, my story is very, well, I consider it unique, but I knew, I'm going to say this, I grew up playing, watching my dad play basketball. So I always had an in-house mentor who taught me the fundamentals of the game. He he didn't play at a collegiate level, but he actually knew the you know fundamentals and he knew how to play the game of basketball. So I was, I was always around the game. Um, I was always around him, uh, watching him play against his friends, and I, and I was in the park with him playing against guys older and stronger than me. Uh, so by the time I was 13, uh, 13 was the, uh, the year that I first played in a, in a league game, actually, because I grew up playing in the street. At 13, when I started playing against other 13-year-olds, I was just significantly better than everybody because I had grew up playing against guys bigger and stronger than me up until I was 13. So I, I would say around 13, 14, 15, when I was playing against other you know guys my age, I knew that I was special because I, I was just head of shoulders above everybody in my age bracket. That age playing, um, you know, whether you were playing, like you said, against guys your age or older guys, at that point, were you playing against any other future NBA players? Uh, you know what? It's funny because I actually grew up playing with uh, playing with and against Joaquin Noah and didn't even know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he grew up uh, playing, uh, playing in a recreational league, the same recreational league that I played in growing up here in New York, New York City. And I had no idea that that was Joaquin Noah. Uh, my dad knew. My dad had to point him out once he got to the NBA. He was like, listen, you know who Joaquin Noah is, right? And I was like, no. He's like, yeah. he used to play with him. He used to play with him in the rec leagues. And I was like, wow. And it's funny because, funny story, uh, Charlie Villanueva was actually my teammate in high school. He was a mm-hmm. freshman when I was a, he was a freshman when I was a senior. And I had no idea he was my teammate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And my dad, again, my dad had to remind me that Charlie Villanueva played played with me in high school, and I and I had no idea. So I'm pretty sure I played with a lot of NBA players who made it from the New York City streets that I just didn't know about. Wow, that's funny. You know, before I get into your Lakers stop, you know, maybe some hardcore NBA fans would know this or fans of yours. You were on the court during the Pacers-Pistons brawl in that uh, November 2004 game. Um, I'm sure you get asked about this a lot. But uh, what was going through your mind when that fight broke broke out and just the ensuing days? You know, what was that like for you during your time with the Pistons? Uh, the team was set, um, so I, I got into the, I got into the game. It was what they call trash time or the end of the game. Um, I, I believe I believe the Pacers were either up that you know by a bunch or we were up by a bunch. But it's the plays the the the, 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 the game didn't matter at that time. So I was just happy to be in a game to showcase what I could do. I was, I've been jockeying for, uh, you know, playing time and practice. So I was being a chance to showcase what I could do. And then as soon as I check into the game, this is the melee happened. So if you actually look at the video, I actually have the basketball in my hand sitting at half court. And I was just wondering, I was like, in my mind, literally, I was like, man, I just got to the game. I just want to play basketball. Just, yeah. I, want every, I just want everybody to settle down. But uh, yeah, I was uh, that was <laughs> I was a part of the melee in a uh, the melee in a palace. 
<laughs> Did you stay on the court for the duration of it, or once everything got, you know, pretty hairy, pretty serious and guys were going into the stands, did you run off, or what did you do? No, I actually was uh, on the court at the time. Actually, you know what? No, I, I, once things started to get all crazy, I actually went to the locker room. I didn't yeah. stay out there for and I didn't stay out there to see what was actually going on once uh, the uh, melee happened. Um, you know, everyone talks about our test role in that, but uh, you know, after the initial scuffle between him and Ben Wallace, when I remember Ben Wallace giving him a pretty good hard shove, and Ron kind of walked off. Did you get a sense that afterwards that Ben like really regretted what happened, or because so much of the blame went to our test just for going to the stands? But you know, if you think about it, maybe if Ben hadn't done that hard shove, it could have been avoided altogether. Did you get a sense that he really regretted it immediately? I mean, I can't speak on the behalf of others, but I just know that nobody wants to be remembered to be a part of the melee in the palace. That's not something that you want attached to your name, attached to your brand, attached to your legacy. No, so I, I believe both parties, the Indiana Pacers uh, team and organization and the Detroit Pistons team and organization, all feel bad about the situation. Uh, including the players. So I, I, I would believe that Ben Wallace uh, and everybody involved on our test uh, do definitely you know, feel like they, they could handle the situation a little, a little bit better. Definitely. Moving on to your Lakers stop, I wanted to ask about, uh, well, I mean, so you had that, your year in Cleveland, short stint in Detroit, short stint in Phoenix, and then uh, you sign a two-year deal with the Lakers and you get to start immediately. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, so how did that happen? I mean, you don't hear a lot of guys going from, you know, 10-day contracts to starting for premier NBA franchises. What was the process that led to you getting that starting job opening night? Just believing in myself. I, uh, and I say that uh, because I, I hit a lot of hiccups, trying to, a lot of obstacles trying to make it to the NBA. Um, as I tell my story, I tell people that I took the back way into the NBA. Uh, I went to you know, a small D1 school, Fordham University. No one's ever made it to the NBA from Fordham. I entered the draft, went undrafted. I uh, played on three summer league teams that summer. I went to uh, three out of four summer leagues, I should say. And uh, you know, I, I got invited to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers training camp. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no, the NBA. I'm speaking about my, my NBA experience. So once I got to the NBA, you know, I kind of just worked my way. You know, I had to work and fight my way onto every team that I played on. And it wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It's just that I didn't have the, I'm going to say, the quote-unquote, the backing behind me, the, the right age at the right university, the right coaching, the right, uh, I didn't know the, 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 the right connect. So my way is I had to work my way into every job that I got in the NBA. Sometimes, you know, I know the business of basketball. I, I would get, I would get released. I, I want to make the team. I get a, a tryout. I was, I, I would get the ten day. But I was, I always believed that I, could, I was good enough to make it to the NBA and play on a on a franchise team. Um, so when the Lakers gave me an organ, uh, uh, op, uh, opportunity to make their team, I was in the mindset, oh, there's no way. That I, 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 there's no way I could, I could let this opportunity slip away. I have to take advantage of 
know this opportunity. I gotta outwork everybody. I gotta outplay everybody. I I gotta do what others aren't willing to do. I gotta stay long. I gotta be first. I was my mindset was do everything that other players don't want to do, and that's ultimately what got me to a certain uh certain job in L.A. Well, yeah, that was your uh, yeah your first year in L.A. I remember you scored 20 or more points three of your first four games. And overall, yeah. you guys had a really good, solid year. I think you surpassed expectations for you that year, got the Lakers back into the playoffs uh, for, for that first round series versus the Phoenix Suns. And, uh, you know, game four, the Lakers are up 2-1 in the game four. I think you're down five with 10, 12 seconds left. I remember you hit that, you know, crazy high-arching three. Uh, to cut the lead to two, the Suns call timeout inbound to Nash. You get a hand on the ball, and it leads to uh, you know a breakaway between you, Devin George, and Kobe Bryant. And where Kobe got to score a game tying shot, send the game yeah. into overtime. Yeah. So what do you remember about right before that play? Where because usually you would think you know as soon as the guy catches the ball, you're going to foul him to not let any time run off the clock. But uh, uh-huh. what was your what were you thinking when Nash caught that ball? Well, the instructions in the huddle uh, from the from the great Phil Jackson uh, was to uh, go for the steal first before you foul. See if you get a steal before you foul. Um, so that was my mindset, go for a steal. And I, I just read Steve Nash, and uh, I just it was all physics. Mm-hmm. I knew Steve Nash's momentum was taking him away from the basket. And his pivot was going to have to be to the outside um, and not, you know, inside back to the uh, back to the sideline. So as he caught the ball, I naturally just, you know, beat him to the spot that he was turning. And I got, you know, I got my hand on the ball and I was able to save it into Devin George. And then, you know, uh, you know the rest. Devin George gets the ball, gets it to Kobe. Kobe goes, uh, drives the basket, tears up. Overtime, and then you we all know what happens at overtime. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, uh, Phil Jackson and the huddle uh, uh, told us to go for steal first. If we don't get the steal, foul. And again, it was just a read that I made. It was the right read. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I said, it was just all physics. Steve Nash's momentum was taking him away from the basket, and I knew there was only one way he could pivot, so I kind of just beat him to the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, definitely a great moment in Lakers history, uh, even if you just ignore the rest of how that series went um, with the Suns yeah. coming back and closing it out in seven. Oh, man. I mean, uh, it was heartbreaking. If you remember the very next game, we were up uh, in that game. I believe it was, it was like game four, game five. And uh, Tim, like the series was over, and Tim Thomas hit the uh, hit a buzzer beater at the top of the key. Yeah, that was game six back in L.A. Yeah, yeah. 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 Tim Thomas did a uh, – yeah, we did everything we needed to do at the Lakers uh, organization to our uh, Lakers team. We still won on the road. All we had to do was win all our games at home. And uh-huh. Tim Thomas, you know, uh, definitely put the – he he took it. He, he took the win from our uh, – right out of our sales. He said, uh, the beater, top of the key, and, uh, and that was it. Gosh, you know, I remember watching that game, and I watched that replay of Tim Thomas, and a part of me always hopes that the replay is going to turn out differently, and he's going to miss or something. Just because you know, if he misses that, or no, even if I think Nash had missed a three previous to that, and Sean Marion grabbed an offensive rebound to set up Tim Thomas's three, but um, you know, if 
if someone had gotten the rebound on Nash's three or Tim Thomas missed, you guys more than likely close out that series in six. You would have gone to play the Clippers in the semifinals, which would have been crazy, just like a cross town, yeah. or I guess with, yeah. no, not even cross town, cross hallway series because uh-huh. you're Staples Center, and you know there's a chance you guys win that series and the uh, versus the Clippers that year, and then you're talking about the conference finals, you know, for that team, which would have just been an incredible achievement. So it's really funny to think about that one shot, like being the difference yeah, between being right. out in the first round and getting to the conference finals. Yeah, that one shot definitely devastated us. Uh, there was, I mean, there was no way we was going to beat Phoenix twice and Phoenix in the playoffs. They were the number one seed. They, were, they had a great team. And it just, it, 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 that, that shot definitely did a number on us as a team, mentally. Oh, yeah. I mean, just even watching it on TV, you could kind of feel like the emotion drain out of the arena after that shot went in. It was kind of, yeah. even though there was a chance in overtime, it just, it just kind of darkened the mood and you just, you could kind of tell like it might be over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you go on to play in one more year in LA, 2007, before moving on to some brief stops with the Heat and the Clippers uh, before an ex- lengthy overseas career. Uh, what have been some of your favorite stops overseas? Um, I would definitely say hands down, one of my favorite stops has, has to be Greece. I played in uh, Greece for three years, uh, two years with uh, – actually, no, one year with uh, Aris, uh, one year with uh, uh, Iraq Greece, and there's another team I can't pronounce. But uh, Greece has uh, had to be one of the most uh, prettiest, um, satisfying, uh, basketball-wise, place to play. Um, I won a Greek Cup there. I also uh, played two years in China. Won two back-to-back championships in China, um, and then uh, of course Venezuela. I mean, uh, I can't, you can't uh, bypass that weather. Oh yeah. Venezuela was yeah. Venezuela was pretty nice also. You know, a lot of guys, former Lakers who have come on, who have bounced back and forth between the league and Europe, have shared some horror stories overseas. Whether you know it was a crazy fight on the court, or you know not being paid anything like you were promised. Do you have any horror stories from overseas that you can share? Uh, well, I can share one. One horror story is uh, actually my one of my experiences in Greece. Um, that, well, I, I'm just I want to go on record and say that uh, playing in Greece, Greeks are some of the most passionate sports people in the world. They are very uh, excited and take their heart, you know, um, they take a liking to a team. They they will die for a team. They will burn a city down for a team. Uh, they were riot for a team. So um, needless, needless to say, it was the Greek Cup. And, you know, one side of the arena, because they have to separate team fans because they'll just fight all day. One side of the arena was uh, our team fans, and the other side of the arena was the other team fan, uh, fans. And I'm bringing the ball up in the first half, and all of a sudden I see a flare being shot over my head into the, <laughs> into the, post, yeah, onto the uh, other side of the arena. So let's just say a riot breaks out, you know, they're burning flags, they're pulling chairs out and throwing it onto the court. And, you know, literally the, the uh, riot cops had to come in. They stopped the game for about two hours. They kicked everybody out of the arena, and we finished the Greek Cup in an empty arena. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did y'all win? Yeah, we won. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. 
Um, a couple more questions. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with Reddit, uh, but there's a Lakers Reddit page where people just talk about all things Lakers. And so I posted that I was going to be recording an episode with you this week. And just, you know, if anybody had any questions for you, they could ask me there and I would pass them on. So a number came in and uh, one of them was just pretty funny. Somebody wants to know if you still have the smush collade. Ah, that's funny. Unfortunately, no. Uh, I don't have this much delayed anymore. Uh, I, re I remember hearing about that back in your Laker days and uh, watching some video of you describing it um, back then. I think it was on YouTube. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess a lot of people still want to know if you. But uh, okay, I'll let them know that you do not have this much delayed. Yeah, I, I don't have this much delayed anymore. Okay. Uh, well, I got one last question for you then. Okay. Kind of a, a Laker trivia question. For your first year in LA, 2005, 2006, there are 17 guys who played in at least one game for the Lakers that year. How many of those can you name? There were 17 players that played in at least one game as a Laker? Yep, that first year. How many can you name? In 2005, 2006? That's correct. I probably can name all of them. All right, let's try. All right. Uh, in 2005, 2006, uh, uh, my teammates were... Let me see. I'm going to name the, the hardest ones first. I know LeRon Proffer was one. Yeah. I, I, uh, I know um, Aaron McKee was one. Yeah. Uh, I know, um, what's the, um, it was some, uh, what was the other, Radmanovich. He was there your second year. He was there my second year? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. All right. So, Aaron McKee, it was LeRon Proffer. Okay, let me just name the ones I do know. Uh, Lamar Odom. Yeah. Brian Cook. Yep. Uh, Kwame Brown. Luke Walton. Mm-hmm. Kobe. Yeah. Uh, I said Brian Cook, right? Yeah. I said Devin George. Uh, Sasha Vujicic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vaughn Wafer. Yeah. Uh, uh, how many guys is that? Chris Mim. Yep. Now you have six remaining. Six uh, remaining. Uh, uh, five. Because uh, one of them is you, so just five remaining now. Five remaining. Um, can you give me the? Can you uh, name the five? Uh, I mean, not, can you name the guys I already named? Uh, yeah, you named. Oh, Kwame. you know what? No, what? Next, um, Devin Green. I'm yeah, Devin Green. Yeah. Devin Green was one. Uh, -huh. uh, four of the rookies that year. Uh, there were four. Else, else? There were four rookies. You named uh, Devin Green and Von Wafer. There were two more rookies. Uh, um, uh, you know what? This is. Oh, uh, Andrew Bynum. Yeah. Oh, was he my second? Uh, no, he was there he was both years. Year? He was there, oh, he both, was there years. both years. Yeah. So Bynum's one of them. One more rookie that year. I'll give you a hint. He went to Gonzaga. Gonzaga? Um, and he missed a lot of the year due to heart surgery. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. How can I forget? That was my that was my guy. Yo, I'm I gotta I'm gonna I'm gonna have to apologize to him after uh after this interview. Ronnie Torrio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to apologize to him after this interview. How can I forget <laughs> him, man? It's all good. Uh, then there's two more, and uh, 
one of them was there most of the year, and he got waived, and then they brought this guy in after they waived the first guy, so that's a hint. Okay, so this guy was there for most of the year, got waived. Uh, this is my first year? Your first year, yeah. Hey. Uh, was he a big? He was a big, um, it's probably about 6'10 or so, international player. International. Yeah, I forget that one. <laughs> um, Slava Medvedenko. Who? Slava Medvedenko. I don't. I don't remember him at all. Oh, was you know he what? He 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 was there, and he only played in two games. He was hurt most of the year. He's uh, Ukrainian. All right. I'll send you. So, I'll yeah, send you a pic. I'll send you a picture of him. I don't. Um, I don't even think he was there. He was there at the be. I, I do. He was there, and they waved him to bring in this last guy. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even. I don't even remember him. Sorry about that. No, that's all good. Um, but this last guy, uh, you can take a guess, or I can tell you who it was. You can, can you tell me who it was. Jim Jackson. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I do remember him. I do remember him, Jim Jackson. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, I really appreciate oh, your time today, Smush. It was uh, interesting to hear about uh, your overseas career, uh, your early stops in the NBA, and then your Lakers stop as well. So uh, I wish you the best, and thanks again for coming on the Forgotten Lakers podcast. No, no problem. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Talk to you later. You're welcome. Take care. Bye.